Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 39 tonight. Folks are making their way in for discipleship. Isaiah chapter 39 tonight. And let's get right into our study this evening. While you're doing that, we just want to encourage you this Saturday because of the wedding that's going to be held here on the campus, our normal organized uh, soul winning rally will not be held. We want to encourage you tonight. We've got on the back table there the soul winning maps, tracks, and all the materials that you need. Please avail yourselves of those tonight and maybe find someone who, who like yourself, may not be at the wedding that you would uh, partner up with that person and uh, get yourselves just going straight. Maybe just meet here at church at 10 and just go straight here from church out to go soul winning. If you'll do that tonight, we'll remind you about that a little bit later, but help us do that. That'd be a blessing blessing. And of course, if you just came in tonight, be sure you get a prayer page. We've got a lot of prayer requests tonight we need to bring up before the Lord. And we're just asking God to show himself strong. Genesis, uh, Isaiah 39, notice verse 1, if you would, please. Isaiah 39, verse 1. If your neighbor next to you doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have a King James version of the Bible, would you be kind enough to share your Bible with them? At that time, Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and he said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that there shall issue from thee, which, shall, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth. In my days. Now, Father, tonight we are looking at the last part of a four part series in our study of the kings and prophets of this man, Hezekiah. And I'm thankful that his name embodies one thought, and that is Jehovah is my strength. And we've seen God in these previous studies where during these first 14 years of his life, Jehovah, the Lord, was his strength. And God, tonight I pray you help us to pause for just a moment while we sit here with good health. And for some of our folks who are watching by live stream. And Lord, we just pause for a moment to thank you that God, you are the strength of our life. And how when the Bible says to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, we have to realize, Lord, there is no strength or ability or power of ourselves apart from you. Thank you for the Lord who is strength. And the Bible says the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And tonight, Lord, we look at this last section of scripture and this closing uh, passage about the life of Hezekiah. I pray on one end that, Lord, it would be sobering. I pray on the other end, I pray that, God, it would be encouraging. I pray on another spectrum, God, it would open our eyes. I pray, Lord, as even as Brother Justin prayed earlier tonight, 
It would help us to see some preventative maintenance and preventative medicine. On the other end, God, perhaps we're, we're perhaps maybe we even see ourselves in Hezekiah. And I pray that we do see ourselves in Hezekiah at this moment of his life. That, God, we would make corrective remedy according to that. But most important, I pray this evening that you'll be glorified. I pray that what is said would be done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for the fullness of spirit, the power of God to help fill in my deficiencies and my gaps this evening. And I pray for the power of the spirit to prevail and work in our lives tonight. It would help us to be uh, Christians who glorify and please you now. We thank you for these things of you of tonight in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. I call your attention tonight to verse um, verse four. There were three questions that Hezekiah was asked when he had this meeting with Isaiah the prophet. And those questions were, what, what did these men say? Where are they from? And what did they see in thy house? And of course, as we think of that, many of you know your Bible and probably have read this passage of Scripture many times, have been gripped with that thought that, that, that was asked of Hezekiah, what have they seen in thy house? And of course, you can go many directions on that, and we'll see that. But tonight I want to draw you back to the key thought, and that is Jehovah, the, the Hezekiah's name means Jehovah is my strength. For 14 years of his monarchy, he found God as his strength. The Lord was his strength. We saw in the three previous studies, we looked at Hezekiah and how the Lord was his strength in dealing with apostasy and sin in the kingdom. He inherited the kingdom from his father in a mess. It was a complete mess in terms of what he got. I just, I, uh, just, we picked up Brother Ted. He just got back in town. He was in Virginia and presented his work. He was telling about the church he was in. And it was just it was a very difficult situation. A classmate of his was asked to come and take that church and just a number of problems happened there and it was just a complete because just a complete disaster of things they're trying to make good on and i just thank the lord that young man just stayed by the stuff and stayed there and has got the church back turned around there but we see hezekiah here that he he, he had to deal with a situation with the spiritual apostasy all throughout the kingdom but jehovah being a strength we saw, we saw that he made remedy with that and then secondly we saw hezekiah dealing with affliction or a storm in his life And I don't know about you, but every time I read that passage about Hezekiah and how Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, came down, of course, the great world power at that time were the Assyrians and Sennacherib, and uh, how God was his strength and dealing with that storm is a great, incredible thing. But we saw how Jehovah was his strength in that. And then we see... The, uh, that happened in the, 30, the beginning of the 39th, at uh, his, his 39th year, the 14th year of his reign. And then not long after that, we saw in our last message, I think it was last week or the week before, we saw Hezekiah and how the Lord was his strength in dealing with ailment or sickness. He was di- diagnosed with a terminal illness. The prophet Isaiah told him to set his house in order for he was going to die. And he had a terminal illness, as we mentioned. We saw that we believe it was a, was a, was a tumor of some kind, an abdominal tumor. We're not sure what it was, but it was bad enough. It was protruding out of his, out of his, uh, abdominal area and he was told he was going to die and he was languishing and he couldn't even get out of bed and we saw how the lord healed him and gave him a second chance and through that healing god told him that he had 15 more years to live and you know you when you just kind of capture that thought that he knew that he had a second chance and god defined him how many more years to live you would have thought well maybe i'm going to think about my life and how i'm going to plan that out and just a sobering thought if god told you you only have one more day to live what would you do with that one day and if god told you like in this man's case you had 15 years to live what would you do i mean just a very sobering thought seen hezekiah in three actions but notice his fourth one the first one dealt with apostasy or sin the second one dealt with affliction or storm the third one dealt with ailment or sickness would you notice the fourth one tonight deals with affluence or success now as we'll see in a moment i want you to get your fingers ready and turn over with me to second chronicles 32 
In 2 Chronicles 32, we see a summation of the success in the life of Hezekiah. We are mesmerized with success. We grow up being driven with the thought to be successful. Now, as we think about success tonight, we've kind of touched on it some other, in some other message, but what is your definition of success? What is true success? What is God's success? What is your measurement of success? Is money the measurement? The cars you drive? Your financial net worth? Your talent? Where you went to school? I mean, how do you measure success? Is it buildings that go up? Does, is Heritage Baptist Church successful because it has buildings? Is it successful because it has an orchestra and a choir? Is it successful because we've got talented people? Is that success? Is it successful because we have vehicles and a ministry that picks up people through these vehicles? I mean, is that success? I mean, what is the measurement of success in your heart and thoughts? What is your definition? Secondly, what has success done for you? What has success done for you? Thirdly, what is success doing to you? That's probably the more important question. What is success doing to you? Tonight we want to see how Hezekiah dealt with success, or maybe I should really say how success dealt with Hezekiah. I want you to see some things tonight in our study. First of all, would you notice if you've turned to Second Chronicles 32, would you go to verse 27 if you're there? And let's see this man, Hezekiah, who I'm going to define, number one, as a blessed Christian. Now, I'm going to start off by saying tonight, you can say what you want about success. I just say one thing. When people say, how are you doing? I have one word, blessed. Amen. I just thank the Lord for his blessings. You ought to just thank God for his blessings. Hey, thank God for the blessings of God. I was reading my devotions yesterday and, and uh, got some things. And, and, and three different books of scripture, right in my readings, I was going through some stuff and just kind of meditating on him. God dealt with the same issue with me. Three different books, three different chapters. God dealt with the same issue. I got on my knees to pray and I said, God, there's something you're telling me here. And I got to just watch this here. And I was confessing some sins, some things that God was speaking to my heart about. And as I went out through the afternoon, I just saw God in sync work some things out that I not even prayed about. God had worked some things out for me, issue after issue after issue that I was thankful for. And by the end of the evening, after I called some people that needed some prayer and prayed with them, I was just thankful. I said, Lord, thank you for your blessings. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just feel like tonight I'm blessed. Do you feel that way tonight? Amen. Just blessed of God there tonight. And notice Hezekiah, as we read about this, we, we get a, a segmentation portion of things about him, verses 27 to 30. And the Bible says, and Hezekiah, notice this, had exceeding much Riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance. For God had given him substance very much. You want to underline that phrase? For God had given him substance very much. Now, if we didn't put that in there, some people would read and think, well, he was a self-made man and he did it all on his own. Notice verse 30. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper watercourse of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. When you read these verses, you can't help but have embedded in your mind that Hezekiah was successful. I read the humorous story about a president, a bank president who had got to age 65 or 70 and decided it was time for him to pass the reins on to somebody else. And so about two or three years before that, they brought on a young man who was a vice president 
the bank. It was a local, privately owned bank. And he had just prepared this young man for the way. And now the young man is probably about in the early 40s now. And he, he, he ceded the reins of the, of the presidency to this young man. And the young man, had, of course, had been trained by this older man about how to run the bank efficiently and make it profitable and how to evaluate customers, how to evaluate good loans and bad loans and deposits and all those different things that they do in banking there. And so one day before the older, older president was going to leave, the young man said, hey, man, can I have a word with you? I just want to meet with you for a few minutes. And the older man said, sure, you can. And the young man asked this question. He said, what would you say, sir? You're an older man than me. You were very successful in building this bank up from the ground up. You did very well. The community loves you. Most of the community banks here, most of the people do their, their business here. This is the bank of the town. How would you define what were your keys to success? Tell me, sir, what were the keys to success? And the older man said this, young man, I can sum it up in two words. He said, yes, sir. What is that? He said, good decisions. So the young man thought about, well, that's, that's a good answer, good decisions. And he said, well, sir, that's a good thing, that's a good decision. But he said, sir, how does one come to know uh, what, what are the good decisions? And the, young, the older man said, sir, young man, he said, I can sum that up in one word, experience. He said, really? He said, well, you just told me in two words how you got to be successful. You, you told me today that it was, it was because of good decisions. And you told me that you arrived at good decisions to experience. He says, how does one get experience? And he said, I'll tell you that by two words, bad decisions. Now, when you read about Hezekiah, he didn't make any bad decisions. His best decision was that he put God first. Amen. That's a good decision. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Hezekiah, as we look at this verse, these verses of Scripture, by all human measurements, was a successful king. Here was a king who led his kingdom from spiritual bankruptcy to now it had spiritual blessings. Here was a man who reopened the house of God. Listen, he had to deal with being in the shadow of his father, King Ahaz, who closed up the house of God and put idol worship all throughout the landscape. And groves of trees had nothing but idols in them. I'm not talking about Christmas ornaments. I'm talking about idols in all these groves of trees. And listen, he took a bold stand, realizing that it could have hurt his, his, uh, his political situation there. And he didn't care about that. He just knew that some things had to be made right. And he cleaned up the kingdom that first month and that first week he opened up the house of God and he took all the idols out and he took the filthy things out of the house of God he took a stand that the Levites wouldn't take and the priests would not take and other men of God would not take whoever the prophets were at that time they would not take a stand as bold as he did Isaiah was one of those prophets and I have to say tonight as you look at what Hezekiah did he made a bold step outwards to stand for the Lord and he didn't do it in in your face manner he just said people we've got to get back to God we've got to get back to worshiping God and doing the right things. Here was a man who reestablished the feasts and the offerings. I mean, by all measurements, here was a king that was doing good things. And now we read these collections of things here. He has great riches. He's increased his storehouses. He has exceeding great crops. He's made his country efficient and profitable. He's taken waterways and he's built these waterways to where he got the springs of Gihon. He got the waters to come directly into the city of Jerusalem. He built these aqueducts. I mean, the Bible says he prospered in all his works. Would you notice this tonight? 
He's 25 when he comes to the throne. He's in his 14th year. In the 14th year, this man is described as blessed. He was a blessed man. I mean, age 39, he was way ahead of men. They're 39 years of age at his stage of life. He was way ahead of them. I mean, he wasn't worrying about whether or not he had career setbacks and things like that. He was way ahead of these men. At 14 years on the throne, this man was considered successful in many, many ways. In fact, you read that, someone from a secular mindset would read that and start envying Hezekiah for what he did. And then to top it off, at age 39, we see where he, where God used him through his praying to turn back Sennacherib and the Assyrians. And then not long after that, he turned back a fatal sickness. He was told he was going to die, and God turned that back. In fact, when God did that, here's the sign God said, I'll give to you. He said, the sundial will go back 10 degrees. That was something, the shadow would go back 10 degrees to indicate God showing him that God's favor was upon him. You see, tonight, Hezekiah was a man who was blessed. You know, it's nothing wrong with reading the Bible of how to get the blessings of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord it maketh rich, and he addeth no, he addeth, he, he addeth no cursings to that. And when we think about this, we read about in Deuteronomy, he talks about the blessings and cursing the Lord. Listen, it should be, it should be a spiritual desire that you want God's blessings. When God's blessings are upon our lives, it means that his face shines upon us. It means that we have God's favor on our life. It means to, to be blessed is to have the fullness of God's anointing. To be blessed is to have God's power on your life is knowing that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted his way. Hey, Hezekiah was a man that was blessed of the Lord. But I want to say tonight, he's not only was blessed, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, praise God, you're blessed. You know that you're saved. You know that your sins are forgiven. And your name is in the book of life. And you know tonight that your sins are washed away. And you know the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses from all our sins. Listen, past, present, future sins, they are all washed under the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. You're blessed. You're blessed to know tonight that you have the joy of the Lord in your life. And that when He saved you, He put your feet on a solid rock. And He put a new song in your heart. I'm telling you tonight, I don't care how bad your day was. I don't care how miserable your dog might be. I don't care how miserable things might be at home. If you're saved, you know Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You are blessed of God. You're blessed because you get your prayers answered. You're blessed because you have a church to go to. You're blessed to know that you've got a church where the Word of God is open. Whether I'm in the pulpit, somebody else comes to the pulpit, the Word of God is open and it's declared to you, thus saith the Lord. You're blessed. But can I remind you tonight, all of our blessings are not from us. All of our blessings are from God. You're not self-made. You're God-made. You're not your own man. You're to be God's man. Deuteronomy 8, would you listen, verses 7, 18. The Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and, and the honey, a land where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are, are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and are full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he's given thee. Beware! that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. This when thou hast eaten art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and 
scroll that thou hast is multiplied. Then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of my hand has got me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. It is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware to thy fathers, as that is this day. Hey, remind your day, I don't care what your financial net worth may say, I don't care what you see, CPA says, I don't care what your tax lawyer says, I don't care what people say about you and what you think about yourself. You and I have to look at ourselves as God's people. Whatever we have are the blessings of God. There's nothing that you have that you earned on your own. Listen, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of life, in whom there's no variance, neither there's shadow of turning. And we must remind ourselves tonight, just like this man Hezekiah, if you are blessed in a certain way, God did not bless you, and God did not bless me, and God does not bless this church to get, that we consume all these things upon ourselves, and to keep it, and, and, to, and, to, and, just to, and just to keep ourselves going, but to realize that we're to be stewards of these gifts, and to be stewards of these blessings, and to be used of God. Remember, remind you tonight Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus the Bible says about Job that he was the greatest of all the men of the earth went back and read Job chapter 1 the other day and I was amazed at his holdings his herds his houses his heirs. And Satan came to God. He says, listen, if it wasn't for that hedge you got around him, he's nothing. God said, you consider my servant Job. On planet earth, there's nobody more righteous than he who skewest evils. What a great reputation, skewest evil. And he wasn't in your type of face and boisterous about that kind of thing. Listen, his greatest concern was he had seven sons and three daughters. Each of them had a house. Each of them were being well taken care of. But they all had their feasting every day. They partied every day, partied every night. And he was concerned that his children had forsaken God. And he decided he was going to offer a burnt offering every morning. Now imagine he probably started at 4 o'clock in the morning. He offered a burnt offering for every one of his children. You imagine 10 burnt offerings a day. For every one of those kids, lest they have cursed and forsaken God. God told Satan, he said, just go ahead and watch. I'll, I'll show you I'm right. I'll take that edge off of him. You can do whatever you want, but you can't take his life. He was a man that was blessed. And one day, one day, everything that he had was gone. And it went from good to bad to worse, to even worse. Every time I read Job, and I read those first five chapters, then I start moving onwards. The fearful thought grips me is that would I have handled it, could I handle it as well as Job? Because Job even got to the place where all that happened... He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
He lost his her, he lost his holdings, he lost his herds, he lost his heirs, he lost his houses, he lost his helpers. And then to make matters worse, his helpmate said, curse God and die. Now it's pretty bad when your wife looks at you and says, man, you're disgusting, you need to die. Just drop dead, dude, <laughs> you know. Curse God and die. And if you just stopped at that chapter, you think, man, what a terrible story. No, you've got to go all the way to Job chapter 40 and realize God blessed him more at his latter end than he did at the beginning end. Amen? I'm saying tonight we see a blessed Christian. This man was blessed. Hezekiah was blessed. I mean, who do you know at age 25 that took a stand like he did? Who do you know at age 39 that, had, that overcame an Assyrian army, a threat, a military threat of 185,000 men that circled around his city and it threatened to cut off the water and the food supply and they made them starve and were going to take them captive and they wake up the next morning and all 185 of them, 185,000 are all dead in their tents without one Jew going down there and fighting with them. And how many people do you know at age 39 that they're about to die? They've been told they're, they've been given a, a, they've been told not by the doctor, but by the prophet of God, set your house in order, you're about to die. And God turns that around and blesses them and gives him life, extends his life 15. How many people do you know that are blessed like that? It's a blessed Christian. Blessed Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. Go back to Isaiah 39 tonight. Attorney, I remind you tonight, Hezekiah was blessed, and he was so blessed that he wrote about the blessings of God in that in his diary that we read about in Isaiah 38, and he said, Isaiah 38:20, the Lord was ready to save me, therefore we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. And listen, he was so inspired. Right before what we read here in Isaiah 39, he penned down ten of the Psalms of Ascent. And all those Psalms of Ascent, you're reading again tonight, they just praise God for His greatness. They praise God for His goodness. And He talks about, I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And He writes just some wonderful things like that that just encourages our hearts when we're going through storms and going through struggles and going through difficulties and maybe we're having some sin issues we're struggling with. It just kind of encourages our heart during those situations there. He wrote all those things. And then we get to Isaiah chapter 39. And we go from a blessed Christian, would you write this down, we see a boastful confidence. At that time, what time? Right after he got healed. Not long after Sennacherib's army was defeated. Not long after he wrote ten of the songs of ascent. At that time, Merodach Baladin, the son of Baladin, you want to listen very carefully tonight. King of Babylon sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Notice some things here, and I'm not going to alliterate some things. I want you to listen tonight. Babylon was a rising power at that time. They were a nobody because Sennacherib and Assyria, Assyria was the rising power. But because Sennacherib had taken out and a new king, one of his sons had become king, some of the people around there started realizing there were some weaknesses with, were around them. And some of these nations now were starting to form alliances. And typically what they did, they tried to find other nations that were friendly to them that they could form alliances to. Word got out through all of the world at that time about what God had done to Hezekiah. God didn't do that just to heal Hezekiah. God did that so a good word, a good report would be given to other people that the idol gods that those people serve could not do what the great God who's our creator did for Hezekiah. 
The gods these people pray to are the, the pagan gods. The gods they worship are gods of death. But the God that we have is a God of life. Remind you tonight, Satan may have the power of death, but praise God, Jesus Christ has the power of life. And word got out that he had been sick and recovered. The word got out about the sundial turning back 10 degrees. People around it got all the way, many miles away. Babylon is now modern day Iran and Iraq. And word got way up many miles away up there to the Euphrates River area about what God had done for this man. But he didn't come to find out about his God. He came down there to see if this was really true about Hezekiah. He wanted to find out, will Hezekiah make a boast about God? Will Hezekiah declare to me what he said in those songs? Will he say the same thing? And I'm reminded tonight, this man, this man, Merodach Baladin, sends his son down. I want you to understand, they sent their best representation down to see Hezekiah. He sent his son with an entourage there. They came notice in verse 1 with letters and a present. Circle the word letter. The last time that man got a letter that was a threatening letter from Sennacherib that said you're going to die and we're going to take your kingdom. And that letter made him fearful. That letter was like receiving a lawsuit, a civil suit in the mail. You're being sued. He got that letter. Remember what he did? He went into the house of God with his knees buckling under and in fear and trembling his soul. He took those letters and he put them on the ground in the temple of God and he kneeled down on his face and he prayed and said, God, you've got to do something about this. But here's a man getting another set of letters right now. Hey, listen, be careful what people say about you that's good. Oh, Hezekiah, we've heard some wonderful things about you. You got healed. What did you do? What concoction did you drink? What kind of vitamins did you take? What kind of sorcerer did you see? What kind of, what did you do? Well, how did you get well from all this? You had cancer. How did you get, I mean, you know, you hear about somebody getting well from cancer. I mean, there's hope for somebody there. Oh, Hezekiah. Man, the Assyrians are out there. They're still a powerful force. And Babylon knew they were a rising power, but nobody was paying attention to Babylon at that time. Merodach Baladin was a nobody compared to who Sennacherib and his sons were. And they sent these letters down. They were flowery letters to build him up and talk about how good he was. And they, they wanted to get more insight about that. And they sent him a present. Expensive present. A present kings would give to other kings. What you notice as we look at verse 2, it tells us how Hezekiah received them. But you notice this? Hezekiah was glad of them. Well, hey, at least somebody paid attention that I got well. Hey, how come, how come somebody way far away shows attention? Hey, you watch us tonight. If you live for the praise of man... You live to be patted on the back. You live to get, you live to get the honor of men and the praise of men. Listen, you're going to live your life wanting to be wanted. Very dangerous place to be. Very dangerous place to be. 
He was glad of them. He was glad somebody that wasn't even saved was paying attention to what happened to him. He was glad somebody took interest. He was glad, hey, nobody in Israel brought him. Nobody in Judah brought him a present. Nobody in Judah sent him a letter. Nobody in Judah sent him a thank you note. Hey, I remind you tonight, maybe nobody sends you a thank you note. Don't you pitch a pity party and go off and leave the church and say, that church is no good. I want to tell you tonight, according to Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. That's a good thing to show thankfulness. But people forget you. You say, well, yeah, I've forgotten all the... Hey, you think it's, you think it's bad? Joseph was forgotten by, by, by the butler that he helped out, and he was left languishing in prison for two years. I mean, come on, he helped get the guy out of jail. You would think he'd give a good word to the king. He was forgotten for two years. What would you do if you were forgotten for two years? And left languishing in prison. He was glad of this. Notice verse 2, he let down his guard. He didn't realize that he didn't even blocked out of his mind. They weren't there on a goodwill mission, though that was the pretense they came under. They came there to do some surveillance. They went there to spy out what he's all about. I mean, read your Bible. Remember when Joseph's brothers came down to Egypt? They were accused of coming down to Egypt to spy out the land. Remember when, when David said, David had some men that he read, he had a king, I think he's the king of Syria, if I remember right. The king of Syria, he had died, and his son got to the throne, and David was very good friends with that king, and he sent some, some men of his servants there to be, be nice to them, but that son didn't treat those servants the same way as the father did. He said, could be they'd come here to spout the land, and he shamed them, he cut their, he mutilated their clothing, and he put them to shame. They walked back literally stark naked back to their home, and David felt bad about that, but they did that to them because they thought they were spies and land David spied them out and that's what was going on in those days whenever somebody sent an, a, a foreign nation came down you would greet them with goodwill but you'd be a little bit cautious it's kind of just being very careful because you don't know if they're there to do surveillance and check you out and what they're all about it reminds you tonight brother and sister in Christ not everybody that comes to church comes with a friendly attitude Not everybody comes to church and comes in this church especially and says that they tell you they're a pastor or man of the cloth. I want to tell you tonight, they are not here for friendly reasons. They may be coming here for other reasons. I'm a deacon in such and such church. I'm a pastor in such and such church. You better let me know because I'm going to get my radar screen on there real fast. He was glad of them. He probably does like a lot of people do. They get a nice letter. They open it up and read it over and over again. Really, you think that about me? Oh, you know how it is. Come on, guys. Businessmen like to sit and talk about each other's accomplishments and they share about their accomplishments and what they did. They try to get one up each other. Athletes do the same thing. They like to talk about what they did there. You get around a bunch of guys and they're a bunch of old fogies, you know, the guys in their 30s, 40s, they like talk about the glory days. Say, so, yeah, I used, to, I used to run the 40 and this fast. I used to do this fast. And then you ask, well, how fast do you run it now? I don't run anymore, amen, you know. Asked two teenagers the other day. I was with two teenage boys that look in pretty good shape. I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I run track. He said, well, that's good. So what do you run? He said, tell me the 100 meters. I said, how fast do you run? He said, I don't run that fast. I don't do this and that and so forth like that. I said, but do you even run? 
You know how it is. People like to talk about their accomplishments. They talk about what they got and how they did. Politicians like to sit and talk about each other's accomplishments, try to get one up on each other. Even Christian friends will do big talk and show off what they've done. You know why? Because it's just inside of us. There's this ego trip inside of us. We've got to tell people what goes on. And when somebody shows appreciation and shows some kind of compliment to us, we're glad of them like Hezekiah. Ladies, be careful tonight. Be careful of that man who comes up and talks flowery things to you and he's not your husband. Hezekiah did not think about the sage advice years before. He, a king who was his ancestor said in Proverbs 23. Solomon said, when thou sittest to eat with the ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. Put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given an appetite, be not desirous of the deities, for they deceitful me. He says, man, you got somebody coming there, when you're sitting king versus king, you better be careful, son. He was glad of them. First time in 14 years, Hezekiah was impressed with who he was and how others took notice of him. And for 14 years, the first 14 years of that, man, he was on his face. He was trusting God. He was running, wanting to know, man, I don't know if I'm doing right as far as the people's concerned, but I'm going to do right as far as God's concerned. I mean, he did everything he did his first 14 years, he did it right before God. I mean, he cleaned up the house of God. I mean, he, he did, did away with the evil deeds of his father without, without degrading his father. He did. People knew his dad, dad did some bad things, but he did, he did, he did raise attention to that. He raised attention to God and restored the ceremonies. He restored the fee. He restored the worship of God. And it's amazing when we read things like in those earlier chapters, how the people did all those things spontaneously. Man, these pagans come down to the kingdom there. They're all dressed up in the royal garments and they're looking very impressive. And they give him a set of letters on scrolls and they present a lavish present to him and they give it to them. And the Bible says in verse 2 that Hezekiah was glad of all those things. You glad when people praise you? Glad when people take notice of you. Glad to know your name is mentioned somewhere. This guy is filled with boastful confidence. Did you notice verse 2? Well, thank you for coming here. While you're here, let me show you the secret to my success. Let me show you what it's all about. Let me show you how it all came together. Let me show you my portfolio. Let me show you what I've got here. Hey, listen, what an opportunity. Pagans came to him. He had an opportunity to tell him about the great God of heaven who healed him, the God of salvation. No mention of God at all during this whole presentation. Let me tell you something. Those of you who helped me give tours of the building, don't you talk about that building without talking about God. Don't you talk about these buildings. Don't you talk about this property without talking about God. And listen, next year we're going to be 20 years old. We've got some things we're planning out. We're praying that God will do this and unfold. But I'm going to tell you tonight, don't you talk about this church without talking about God. And Hezekiah was gladder than me. Show them the house of his precious things. You know what that means, don't you? He showed them the things that materially meant a lot to him. Hey, by the way, what do you have materially that means a lot to you? If you lost it, you'd get upset. If it was damaged, you'd get upset. And he showed them the house of his precious thing, the silver and the gold and the spices. His spices, they didn't, they're not talking about spices he grew in his backyard. He you know, the spices that came from a far off lands and they paid much money for those things. And the precious ointments I'm talking about Spikenard, 
from the mountains of India. And all the house of his army, hey, he showed them his wealth. He showed them his weapons. He was so impressed with who he was. And all that was found in his treasuries. Would you notice the last part of verse 2? There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion. Hezekiah showed them not. He showed them his wealth. He showed them his weapons. He's the show-off Christian. Look at me. Hey, man, can you top this? Look at this. Check this out. Look at my wealth. Look at my spices. Look at these ointments. Look at my weapons. Hey, man, hey, not only that, let me show you around. I'll show you all my dominion. I'll show you where, where I train our military over here. And I'll show you where I train our military over here. And I'll show you where our storehouse is for our weapons over here. And I'll show you the storehouse over here for our grain. Listen, he was showing them the entire road map of the city. He was showing them everything about their kingdom. He was showing them everything. And they're taking meticulous notes in their mind. They didn't send the dummies down there. They sent the smartest men in the kingdom there to do surveillance on that kingdom. They could figure, hey, if you figure something out, when Satan wants to know what's going on with you, he'll get you to talk all that you want to talk. Because a fool uttereth all his mind. There's nothing in his house or in his kingdom, his dominion, that he showed them not. Hey, they didn't have to ask for anything. He gave them the royal tour. Went from being consecrated to becoming conceited. Went from being abased to being arrogant. Went from being humble to being haughty. Went from being private to being proud. Proverbs 21 4 says, A high look and a proud heart and the plight of the wicked is sin. Do you understand what he did tonight? Look at me. Look at it all. These people would be his enemies one day. He showed them his strength. He showed, listen to me tonight. He showed them his strength. They figured out the rest. He showed them that he could be bought. He showed them he could be taken. He showed them that he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. He showed them when you can puff a man up, he will leave God out of the conversation. Whoa. We looked at Second Chronicles 32, verses 27 to 30. But why don't you notice verse 31? I don't know if it's in your notes, but you can turn there. In Second Chronicles 32, 31, it says, this, How be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon. And mind you, they sent the best emissary. They sent the son, Baladon, there. Who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. They, they punched him with a lot of questions. God left him to try him. That he might know all that was in his heart. You better listen to that tonight. Hey, you better listen to that tonight. You are tested with success. God leaves you with that success to test you and to try to see all that is in your heart. Because as a man is in his heart, so is he. To test him was all in his heart. 
Does the car own him or does he own the car? Does the money own him or does he own the money? And what's, who's in control of the situation? Is he, is he, a, uh, is he uh, just mesmerized by bigness or is he mesmerized by getting smaller and smaller for God? I mean, listen, if you had it all taken away, what would you do? Babylonians played him. Do you realize we're in a game? The enemy wants to play us. Look, I've been there. Most of you under tonight, you spend eight hours to 12 hours a day in the workforce, out in school. And for the most part, you're not around God's people. Let's be honest now. And you think about the people you rub shoulders with. Now, I, now, I, I believe this group right here, you understand biblical separation. I think you understand, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel and the godly, nor stand the way of sinners, nor citizens see the scorn. I, I think you believe that tonight. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here tonight. Or people watching my live stream believe the same thing. I believe you understand what the Bible says, from such withdraw thyself. I think you understand that. But I'm going to tell you tonight, please listen to me. You stay around certain lost people long enough, they rub off on you. They don't smell more like you, you smell more like them. You hear what I'm saying? I'm your pastor. Listen to me tonight. You smell more like them. They said them smelling more like you should be like Jesus. They control your thoughts. They control your motives. They control your materialism. They control your consumerism. Look at my phone. I've got the latest X, whatever it is. It's just an X. That's all it is. And this is not an X. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's an older dinosaur model. Boastful confidence. He was glad of them. We see a blessed Christian. We see a boastful confidence. Would you notice a blunt confrontation? <clears throat> then. The then implies it's an adverb, right? It's sudden. Did you ever notice the Bible is an action Bible? Amen. It's an action book. Do you ever notice that? Some of you walking very slow, you know, like this. No, man, it's an action book. Then, straightway, immediately. I mean, hey, leadership, don't don't be dragging your way. God, man, move fast. Amen. Get yourself moving. Amen. Then, Isaiah. Then came Isaiah the prophet to King Hezekiah and said to him, What said these men? From whence came they unto thee? Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thy house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Would you understand tonight? The prophet of God came under the directive of God. God told him that day, You better go to that house. Something bad's happening, man, right now. You better go there right now. You better get a hold of this guy and find, and have him confess what he's doing here. And he went there and he asked his three basic questions. He said, Number one, what did they say to you? Because words, believe it or not, do have an effect on our lives. Amen? What did they say to you? Hey, let me tell you something tonight. You hang around people that curse enough, you're going to start cursing and you don't even know you're cursing. 
You hang around people that use men's profanities or using gosh and God and all that kind of stuff that are going on there. You find yourself using the same thing. Now, I would caution you tonight, I don't care what the latest book on the shelf is that people get all excited about. Listen, the only book you better get excited about is this book right here. I can name you some quote-unquote Christian authors right now. They have not only flooded the marketplace, they've corrupted the minds of young preachers and ruined this next generation coming up there. What do they say to you? That's a subtle way saying, did you have your devotions this morning? Did you talk to God? What did they say to you? Question number two. Where are they from? Where are they from? You tell me where they're from and I'll tell you what their motive is. That's what he's saying there. They came from a far country. I promise you this, they were not missionaries that came to him. Amen? But here's the kicker. Okay, they gave you these letters. Isaiah's scratching his head, and he's thinking, Hey, Hezekiah, I remember you got a letter not too long ago, and you put that letter on the floor and you start in the temple, and you started asking God for help. These letters here, you took those letters out, and you got, you got a plaque, and you put it up on your wall there. Hey, Hezekiah, he says, they're from Babylon. Do you know anything about geography? Do you know anything about what's going on in the world right now? And every answer he gave led to this third question because this was the most fearful question. Question number three. What did you show them? What have they seen in thine house? What have they seen in thy house? He said, King Hezekiah, you've been trusted with wealth. You've been trusted with spices. You've been trusted with ointment. You've been trusted with weapons. You've been trusted with servants. You've been entrusted with the city. You've been entrusted with uh, the safeguarding of the city. You've been entrusted with all the... Already Isaiah already knows, man, he opened a crack here that should have never opened. He's given what the Bible calls, he's given place to Satan. He's opened a door he should have never opened. He opened a Pandora's box that should have never happened. He said, what have they seen in the house? What did you show them? What did you let them see? What did they see? By the way, he didn't show them his weaknesses. He showed them his strength. Your downfall is not your weakness. Your downfall is your strength. He showed them everything because he answered there in verse 2. He said this. Look look what it says. Verse 3. Verse 4 he says, And Hezekiah answered, All that is in my house have they seen. Listen, he showed these, these ambassadors from a far country, from the country of Babylon. He showed them more than people in that city had even seen. He showed them more than his wife had seen. All that is in my house, have they seen? Then he says, there is nothing among my treasures that showed them. Isaiah said, man, we've got a matter of national security. What have they seen in thy house? We've got a matter of, of potential breach of confidentiality. What have they seen in thy house? And I'm going to ask you tonight... What does the enemy see in your house? 
Not with God. God already knows what's in your house. God's already got his mind made up. You better start going through those CDs and start going through those movies. You better start going what your subscriptions are. You better start taking a look of magazines you've got in there. You better go take a look at your iPads. You better go look at your computers. And you better go look at your phones. And you better take a look here because what have they seen in thy house? He knew he didn't tell him about Jesus. He knew he didn't give him the gospel because he asked the question, what have they seen? And that's how we are. We like to tell everybody, look at me. Look at who I am and look at what I have and look at what I've done. Look at where I've been. And let me show you my passport, all the countries I've been. And let me show you this. Let me show you what have they seen in life? What did you tell them about you? Did you spend more time telling about you than you did tell them about Jesus Christ? What they see about your love for God? And don't you don't impress nobody just because you got the Ten Commandments on your wall. And you don't impress anybody just because you got the caption there, as for me and my house will serve the Lord, but your TV set and your computer says something else. What are they seeing in the house? Your kids see you coming to church and you're Mr. Pius and Mrs. Pius, but at home it's not exactly like that, is it? And they hear, they hear the pastor getting up and saying, hey, we've got to go so winning. We've got to win so, by the way, thank God for a man who got saved today. Went to the rough part of San Leandro, took my soul winner with me. We did, we've been kind of in that area there. We just knocked her. I said, hey, brother, he said, you know, we're circling around because everybody that goes to San Leandro Bart, they don't, they don't pay for it. They look for street parking for five blocks up. Amen. You guys know where that's at, right? Some of you parked there. I saw your cars. Amen. You know. <clears throat> We're circling around, circling around. There's road construction going on. I said, good night, man. The worst thing about so many is losing time because you're circling around trying to find parking. Amen. And I'm smart enough not to do illegal parking because I know my car will get towed. Amen. You know. I said, brother, I said, I never noticed these homes before. I said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me just now. We need to go right now and knock on these doors. He said, he said, preacher, wherever God wants you to do it, we'll go do it. We saw this man coming out. He was in his flip-flops, his shorts, an older man. He's walking around like this, like Donald Duck, you know. Had this big bag of stuff. His wife was running out, and she had a bag of tomatoes, and she was Filipina. I said, hey, brother, go after her. Go, go shout and tell him we're going to come see him. He ran ahead of me, and he went to go see her, and she's going up. She said, he said, hey, hey. He says, he called out to Ate. We walked upstairs with them. They said, they said, hey, we got a box of it. Would you like some tomatoes? And he, instead of me waiting for me to say yes, he got to say, yeah, of course I like some tomatoes. Amen, you know? I said, man, this is going to go good. She gave him a bag of tomatoes. Amen. They're about this big. So I can't talk to you right now. So what's your name? He told us his name. And he said, I can't talk right now, but I'm home every other day. You guys come back and see me. We went downstairs. Oh, man, I thought we'd get the gospel to them and... Now I looked at this home. It's one of those uh, kind of those buildings, you know, there's just housings where they're just, you know, they're, they're right. They're these old, old kind of, I don't know what they call them, like apartments or whatever. They're single-story apartments. So we went to the first one, and the door handle was broken. 
And I just looked at the, just the, the, just <clears throat> the condition of the, of the frontage. I said, well, you know, these people live in small conditions. And you, know, and you kind of think about it, and, and your immediate thought, man, man, I wonder if the drug dealer lives here. And you kind of wonder, you wonder what's going down in this place. And he said, should we even knock on the door? I said, you know what, God, God put on my heart, you better knock on that door. Knocked on the door, an old elderly man came out. I have to be careful because I, I guess people call me an elderly man too. Even, you know, <laughs> you better not call me an elderly man, but, you know. Man, open the door. What do you want? Hey, 45 minutes later, that man trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. So I said, hey, what percentage is sure of going to heaven? He says, maybe 50%. He says, I'm trying. I said, are you trying hard enough? He says, I don't know if I can try hard enough. I said, what if I told you you don't have to try? It's already been done for you. And I got saved. I turned to our partner and I said, what if we didn't go today? What if we didn't obey the Holy Spirit? That man is not in good health. He told us his health problems. What if I go back there next week? He's not alive. What have they seen in thy house, Hezekiah? What do they see about your faith? Hey, imagine this is your checkbook. What have they seen about your checkbook? How do you spend your money? Do you tithe? What have they seen in the house? Hey, Charles Spurgeon, they went to Charles Spurgeon. People went to see him in the church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Spurgeon's Tabernacle just exploded with growth and thousands of people. And it got to the place where people couldn't get in on a specific Sunday. They had to give tickets out and tell them, you can't come this week, but you can come next week. And, and so some men came from America and they said, hey, we want a tour of Spurgeon's Tabernacle. And they gave him a tour and they said, hey, here's Mr. Spurgeon right here. And they, he took him up the big, big platform. He had this huge platform that was way elevated above the crowds there. And they said, Mr. Spurgeon, tell us the secret of your success. Tell us what it's all about. He said, I'll tell you what it is. And they walked the stairs all the way to the top. And you have to understand, Mr. Spurgeon wasn't in good health. He died at the age of 57. He wasn't in very good health. He lived in depression most of his adult life. And he had arthritis in his body. He wasn't living very well. But the power of God was on his life. And people knew there was something about this man that was unusual. He said, I'll tell you the secret there. And he got to the top of the platform. And there was a door there. He moved the carpet aside. And he moved the trap door. And underneath that trap door, he says, look down there. There's the power room. The power room right there. There were a hundred of his men down there praying for the power of God on that man's life. What have they seen in thy house? What do they say about your attitude about church? Judges 16, almost done. I want you to listen to me about Judges 16. In Judges 16, the lords of Philistines wanted to find out the source of Samson's strength. And the lords of Philistines came up unto her and they said to her, entice him and see where in his great strength lies. Hey, the devil wants to know if you're going to tell him what the source of your strength is. He wants to see what's in your house. And he said this, and by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And she said unto him, How canst I say I love thee, when thy heart is not with me? And thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Notice verse 17, He told her all his heart. He said, there's not come a razor upon my head, for I've been a Nazarene to God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and should be like any other man. What is in thy house, Samson? 
pride will lead to our destruction every time. Nobody ever asks at a funeral, what's he taking with him? How much did he leave behind? Because you leave it all behind, whatever it is. What have they seen in the house? What do they see about your prayer closet? What do they see about what you're putting on social media? What have they seen in thy house? Young people, what have they seen about your parental obedience? We see the blessed Christian, boastful confidence, a blunt confrontation. Would you notice as we close tonight, I need to close very quickly. Would you notice as we're done, would you consider the blistering consequences? Verses 7 and 9. Isaiah tells him the consequences of what he did. Seven and eight, excuse me. Excuse, excuse me, five to, five to eight, excuse me. <clears throat> he said, all that's in thy house, verse six, everything that's been passed down to you, everything you have will be carried off to Babylon. He says, you just showed Babylon everything they needed to do to make a successful campaign and defeat you. You showed it off. You're going to lose it. And he says, and you're going to have descendants one day. They're going to be in the palace of the king of Babylon that will be eunuchs. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine the father, someone telling you that about your sons? Daniel was a eunuch. So were his three friends. They were descendants. These were some of the Jews. That was because of what he did there. And then he said this. He said, um, he told them all that these things are going to happen. And Hezekiah's response to that was in verse 8, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. But you notice this last thing he says? Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Second Chronicles says, And the rest of the, thing, the, rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness you'll find in Isaiah. I looked at that and I went back here to Isaiah 39. You know all that you read about? For the last 15 years of his life. Because remember, God spared his life and gave him 15 years before this happened, right? He's on the cusp of getting a second opportunity to live. And he just blew it within a month. Within a month. You want to hear something very interesting? What's bothersome is what God said is going to happen to him. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. But you know what's bothersome? We read in the first 14 years of this man praying and asking God to help him in difficult times. And in this circumstance here, he had an opportunity to confess his sin and tell God I'm wrong. He doesn't do that. He says, good is the word of the Lord. He says, I'll live with that. And he didn't feel that way when he was told he was dying. He says, if not going to... And here's what he's saying. This is what happens when pride gets the best. You listen to me tonight. You know what he's saying? It's okay. It'll happen to future generations. It's not going to happen to me. That is selfishness. That is terrible selfishness. If you think that way, you need to get right with God tonight. You think that way, it's going to happen to another generation. No, listen, if you think that way, that is wrong. 
That's why our country's in the mess. That's why we're not growing church and planting churches because we're thinking, well, let the other generation take care of it. No, while you've got breath, you better do something about it right now, amen? Hey, we're going to turn California. You better register vote because the leading Republican candidate right now is only trailing Gavin Newsom by three points. And he has a born-again testimony. You better go check out the facts and determine and get the mind of God. You better determine what to do because we need a miracle here right now in the state of California. And would you notice this as we close tonight? He talked, the, the prophet told him about his sons. Three years later, at the age of 42, a son would be born by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when he came to the throne. That was when, at 54, that's when this man Hezekiah would die. His Sabbath son that was born. Would you notice this? What we read most about this man is, is about his wealth and about an aqueduct that he built from the spring of Gihon that flowed into the city of Jerusalem. But we don't read anything about, about missions and we don't read anything about the advancement of the gospel and we don't read anything about holiness and we don't read anything about the goodness of God. We don't read anything about him writing any more songs. We don't read about any of that. And you go out as we'll see in our next study. Manasseh went on to be the worst king that Judah ever had. He wasted the last 15 years that God gave him. What have they seen in the house? He's still thinking about, yeah, I'm pretty cool. Nothing's going to happen now. It may not happen now, but it will happen. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. As we close, let me give you three things. Write this down. First, we have nothing to boast of except for the cross of Jesus Christ. Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That is a good verse to memorize tonight. Second, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. 2 Timothy 3.14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned. Hey, listen, whatever you have learned growing up as a Christian, those are still good things. Amen. Don't get tired about hearing messages about prayer and about winning souls and about praising God. And don't get, don't get tired of hearing faith promise missions. And don't get, don't get tired of hearing the salvation messages. And don't get tired of those things. But thirdly, what you do or don't do will affect the next generation. Hezekiah showed them all that's in his house. I won't go to say he was an absentee father. But I will say this. There wasn't a whole lot of God that he gave to Manasseh during those first 12 years of his life. Let me tell you something. Let me correct a thought. And you pass this on. Moms and dads. Since when do we give our children too much of God? Huh? Since when is academics more important than God? Huh? You show me from the Bible. If you can show me from the Bible, I believe you. we got parents pulling their kids out because of too much homework. So I promise you, your, your, your kids are messing around and they're not doing their homework. That's why they're up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Or maybe as a parent, you're trying to live your dream through your kid. You want them to succeed. You might be having a kid who's the wrong person in the right place. 
Don't try to live your dream through them. You need to push them. They need to, and by kid, white kids, they'll say, well, thank you, Pastor. I'm going to use that my, dad, man, my mom and dad. Don't use that to justify laziness. It's a good thing that a young man bear the yoke in his youth. So tonight, we have some things we need to think about. A blessed Christian, boastful confidence, blunt confrontation, the blistering consequences. What have they seen in your house? What you show them? What about your pride? Don't worry about Hezekiah. Now it comes down to us. About yours and mine. Lord, tonight, thank you for the study about Hezekiah. It's a sad story. I think about his ending. Fourteen years to the glory of God. Last fifteen, zero. He didn't pass the kingdom off a right way. Father, help us tonight to examine our hearts. What have they seen in my house? In my life? The house of God. Lord, I pray when people come to Heritage Baptist Church, they see in the house of God people praying and answers to prayer, the exercise of faith, God being glorified. No compromise. God's word being preached. People being loved. Father, tonight, and there's so much more. There's a lot that's probably gone through all of our minds tonight as we think about how you confronted Hezekiah. But as we go to our invitation, I'm reminded tonight, it's Jehovah who strengthens. Would you strengthen us tonight in the areas where perhaps we need some help? It's Jehovah's strength, not our strength. Shore us up, Lord, in those areas where we're weak. We give the invitation for a time of solemnness and healthy restoration and time alone with God. And we pray for these things of you, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name. As the pianist plays, let's stand together and you find your way, either at your seat or at the front of the altar, and find your way to God. <clears throat> what have they seen in thy house? Zechariah was a man blessed of God. God gave him those things. If nothing else tonight, we ought to thank God for everything He's given to us. Good health is not forever. Riches are not forever. We brought nothing in this world. We bring nothing out. Hey, I would tell you tonight, more important than what you're accumulating in this world, I want to ask you tonight, when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, what will the fire determine about your works? Will you suffer loss? Is it gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble? 
Father, as we take our time to pray, I think the urgent need of the hour is that we need you. We need you badly. We need you desperately. Underneath all of this we said tonight is the sin of pride, boasting, arrogance, and conceitedness. Forgive us, Lord, tonight. Boasting. Forgive us tonight. Lord. Sometimes we get, get so muddied up with things that our priorities get a little jumbled up. Help us tonight if we've been enjoying a season of blessing. Your goodness in our life. We be careful when those letters come and the presents are given to us. We don't get like Hezekiah and become glad of them. Father, we pray you help us to keep our hearts with all diligence. For out of it proceed the issues of life. Help us go home with your blessing. Help us go home with assurance. And love, that, Lord, we can have a new start. Not make the mistake, as Hezekiah says, well, that's good, I can take it. He says, there'll be peace in my days, but not even think about the future as far as other lives. I pray for every parent in the room and every older person. We take a vested interest about what we're passing down to the next generation. What kind of church are we going to give them? What kind of programs? What kind of preaching? What kind of standards? What kind of testimony? What kind of gospel? Lord, thank you tonight for the Word of God. It's medicine to our soul. It's a balm of Gilead that we need at a desperate time. Helps go home tonight with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.